welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com and the Pewter Report podcast. Want to say hello to all the Pewter people that are filing in. Maybe you have a, a day off so you can watch live because it is President's Day and happy President's Day out there to everybody. Uh, we got a fun show to get into to start the week. It's nice to be back with everybody, including SR for today's show as we talk about the contract negotiation and situation with former, hopefully current, Bucks quarterback Baker Mayfield. And how much is Baker Mayfield worth? What is going to come down to the finite details for this contract? Uh, got a lot to talk about that. Some new coaching hirings as well for the Bucks, and plenty of other stuff from the comments of the Peter people. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at PeterReport.com. Back on the show, it's SR Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are we doing on this Monday afternoon? Doing good. It's always great to be back on a Monday because yes. whether it's a holiday or not, it always feels like a holiday because we get to do roll call at 420. Not now, but at 420, we'll do roll call. Matt's going to go on a rant today, and I'm going to be putting up the locations from where you're listening and watching today's podcast from. And so it's always great to see which Floridians, which yeah. continental Americans, and which international Buccaneer fans are watching today's show. And if you are watching this um, in a podcast format, in an archive, uh, well, we invite you to maybe join us next Monday for the live show. But there won't be a show next Monday because we're going to be traveling to the NFL Scouting Combine, which That's comes right. up a week from today. So we're going to have shows today as planned. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4 o'clock. And then we will have an adjusted schedule next week with shows definitely on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, probably Friday, live from Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine, where we'll be talking to future Buccaneers during the interview sessions, trying to figure out which Buccaneers uh, these guys, uh, or I should say, which draft prospects will become Buccaneers from those interviews. We do a pretty good job of nailing Buck's best bets and future Buccaneers in our draft coverage. And the combine and those interviews play a big role in that. Yes, they do. And I can pretty much all but guarantee the Bucks will draft someone that is at the combine. I know when we go <laughs> to the senior bowl, it's like it's not right. a guarantee that there's going to be someone that participated yeah. in the senior bowl that ends up going to Tampa Bay. A lot of the times it is the case, but the uh the combine, obviously, even bigger names, the Caleb Williams of the world, who, spoiler, won't be going to the Buccaneers right. unless a drastic trade happens or anything like that. But there's always a ton of news and buzz and smoke screens a little bit as well at the Combine, right. which makes it super fun. We get to talk to Todd Bowles for the first time since the end of the season. We get to talk to Jason Light as well. So that's one of the big reasons, especially, that we like to go there. So um, a lot of news will be picking up for the Buccaneers, uh, especially next week at the Combine, along with all of the other 32 teams in the league. Yeah. But the news never stops for the Buccaneers, which I think is a good thing, right. whether it's Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, or even with the coaching staff. The Bucs have right. uh, hired some new people. Thomas McGahee, the new special teams coach, uh, has been around the block, uh, most notably with the New York Giants, won a Super Bowl with the Giants way back in the day, defeating Tom Brady. And the Patriots was with the Jets the year before Todd Bowles took over as the Jets coach. So um, he's been to a number of different places uh, along the way, especially in a special teams role as well. And the latest move, which came through on Saturday, was that the Bucs hired an offense, uh, sorry, a wide receivers coach as well. They hired Brian McClendon, yeah. who was coaching at the University of Georgia. And Scott, what I think makes this pick or this signing very interesting is once again, the Bucs are going to the college route. But unlike some of their other hirings, whether it was Liam Cohen or the offensive line coach or, or things of that nature, there isn't a connection between the new wide receivers coach, Brian McClendon and Liam Cohen. And we've seen that with some of the other hirings of Cohen either worked with an assistant with, at Kentucky or with the Rams or, or, or somewhere along the way. Right. Because of Brian McClendon, he's really only been at – he's been to a couple of other places, but his his main bag has really been at Georgia. He was there yeah. from 2007 to 2015. He's had a number of different jobs, assistant head coach, 
wide receivers coach, passing game coordinator, went to South Carolina as well, went to Oregon. So he's been with some big, big programs. And if you want to put a little bit of a connection or connect the dots type of thing, Todd Bowles' son, Troy, plays at the University of Georgia. So, you know, Todd Bowles has his ear to the ground a little bit more toward the University of Georgia Bulldogs and maybe some of the other schools out there. So the interesting thing about McClendon, I'm doing a story on this for tomorrow, but here's here's kind of some nuggets that'll kind of point you in the direction I'm heading. And this is a really intriguing hire. And sometimes the Buccaneers in the past they've gone straight to the college ranks to hire guys. I'm gonna throw out a couple of names: Rod Marinelli, Mike Tomlin. Right? These were guys that that didn't have any NFL coaching experience that ended up being pretty good, so good they actually were head coaches in the league after being uh, position coaches in Tampa Bay, coordinators elsewhere, and then head coaches. So the thing with McClendon is he actually has some head coaching experience. He was the interim head coach uh, for a brief minute at Georgia and also Oregon, which is one of his coaching stops as well. So he's got some leadership abilities. He's young. He's 40 years old. So he's – Really kind of an intriguing name. I'm pretty excited about this after doing some digging. With uh, with Brian McClendon, he started off as a receiver at Georgia. That's his alma mater. Mm. And he coached running backs there. I'm going to throw out a couple names of some players that you might have heard of that he's coached. Isaiah Crowell, yeah. Todd Gurley, Nick mm. Chubb, Sony Michelle. Right, Those are some pretty good pretty Georgia Bulldogs running yeah. backs. Um, a lot of those guys had success in the league. So he coached the the Bulldogs running backs. And then he's also coached receivers. You might've heard of a couple of these guys at South Carolina, Brian Edwards, uh, Debo Samuel. um, And most notably, he was the recruiter and he coached the freshman year of Xavier Leggett, the South Carolina receiver that we saw at the senior bowl, who's draft eligible. When he went to Oregon, he coached a wide receiver that is getting some potential late first round buzz could be an option for the Buccaneers, Troy Franklin, Mm-hmm. And then uh, finishing up at Georgia these last couple of years, he's got a ton of familiarity with a lot of Bulldogs coming out in this year's draft, including Lad McConkey, a wide yep. receiver who he coached personally. But he was also there, of course, for Brock Bowers, uh, both running backs, uh, Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton, uh, center Cedric Van Praan mm-hmm. from Georgia. So uh, a lot of interesting college connections, much like Liam Cohen, Matt, I think that that having a guy from college can really help out in the draft process too. having some of that intimate knowledge, not just with the players on South Carolina and Oregon and Georgia that he's been on, but also players that he has coached against. Yeah. Cause we're getting to the point, you know, all the games have been played. The senior ball is done and yes, there will be a ton of measurements and, and things to look at with the combine, whether it's the 40 yard dash, the cone shuttle, the bench press, all that good stuff. But from now up until the draft in April, and there are pro days as well, but a lot right. of what is going to make the difference between certain players, whether it's your fringe first rounder or second rounder or second round versus third round, are these in-person meetings. And it's not always just to like snuff out the BS of what someone is saying, but you really right. try to learn and understand and even connect with someone. I mean, I go back to, and maybe this isn't the best example for how it ended up, but I, I go back to when the Bucks brought in Devin White on one mm-hmm. of their top 30 visits and yeah. just the connection that Bruce Arians spoke about and Devin White spoke about. And they said these in different rooms, too. It wasn't like mm-hmm. they were right next to each other being like, oh, yes, I agree. I agree. Like, no, right. they were separately saying how much they enjoyed each other's company. I think with bringing in some of these college coaches or guys that can just connect with people that they were just working with at the yeah. collegiate level can really help. Find more of an understanding of, hey, this could be a great player, but he doesn't fit our system or he doesn't fit like how we view our offense or or certain things of that nature. So I think that's really important. Uh, The other hiring that went about, it was assistant offensive line coach, another uh, Brian in the mix, Brian Picucci, who um, was the quality control coach with the Kentucky Wildcats. So there's your Liam Cohen connection as well. So um, yeah, a, a lot of, similarities with Liam Cohen, a lot of collegiate experience as well. And it's funny, going back to McClendon real quick, the new wide receivers coach, in years past, if you were an assistant coach looking to get upgraded to a full-time position coach, Mm -hmm. 
you'd be scratching and clawing and banging down the door of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to say, I want to be a wide receivers coach because I have Mike Evans, I have Chris Godwin, and another wealth of talent. Yeah. Now, depending on what happens with Mike Evans, if he's not back, you might be like, hmm, thank you, but but no thank you. But on the flip <laughs> side, if Mike does come back, everyone's going to be pounded on the door once again. Yeah. So a slight gamble Still an upgrade, and he gets to work in the NFL, so not really a huge game. But, man, yeah. that job's going to look that much better if Mike Evans is uh, <laughs> is able to return. into the Yeah, oh, there's no doubt about it. And for McClendon, he's done a great job everywhere he's gone in developing NFL-caliber yes. wide receivers at the college level. I'm sure that was that was certainly something that really piqued the Bucks' interest, is this guy can really develop talent. And so yeah. for guys like Trey Palmer that – had some flashes during his rookie season, right? It, it's it's important to develop him because uh, there is a chance Mike doesn't come back. We all think that he he will. I believe that that he's done enough and showed his importance to this offense. Yeah, that doesn't want to take a huge step back with his departure, and it's certainly that would have some negative connotations for contract talks with Baker Mayfield if Mike Evans is not going to be in the picture. But having said that. Chris Godwin is entering a contract year. Yes. He might not return, right? So it's critical to keep those weapons open, especially if you're going to throw out uh, 30, 35, 27, whatever that number is for Baker Mayfield on a yearly basis. It's important to stockpile some weapons around him. And you've got to have a guy at that wide receivers coaching position that can take young players and develop them and develop them quickly. We've talked a lot about, you know, we had uh uh, an edge rusher, Chris Braswell from Alabama in our first yeah. mock draft and our second mock draft. We've had Graham Barton, the Duke interior offensive lineman, Matt, in the third one. We might put yeah. a wide receiver in there because Jason Light has drafted wide receiver in the first round in Mike Evans. He has drafted a wide receiver in Chris Godwin in the, in the third round. Mm -hmm. But uh, you might want to take the best player available, and that player might be a guy – uh, like uh, uh, yeah, Troy Franklin, if he's there mm -hmm. from from Oregon, um, you know he's one of those guys. Brian Thomas from uh, LSU, if, if he happens to to fall a little bit, he could be there. Uh, Keon Coleman from Florida State. There, there's yeah. going to be some really good top notch receivers at the end of the first round that you look at and say, we've resigned Mike for three years, but he'll be 33 in three years. Yeah. So uh, let's get another young dynamic first round uh, starting caliber wide receiver into the mix just to bolster that position and Chris in case Chris Godwin doesn't return after 2024. Absolutely Scott I think you're spot on in a number of areas before we even get to like Mike Evans whether or not he's back in terms of just development with McClendon that whole wide receiver room after Mike and Chris is extremely young. Like you said, Trey Palmer going into year two, Rakim Jarrett going into year two, and the Bucks coaching staff is very high on him. He had that hamstring injury at the, at the end of the season. Devin Tompkins going into year three. That's kind of like your main group of guys. Like I know there was David Moore, but let's face it, David Moore is going to be a one-contract year after one-contract year type of right. guy. For the rest of his career, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying if you're looking at the future of the Buccaneers, David Moore is kind of like an upgraded, better version of what Rashad Perriman was over the past yeah. couple of years. So um, it's important, especially with Trey Palmer, because I do think Trey Palmer, if everything were to fit the right way and he reaches his ceiling, I do think Trey Palmer could be a wide receiver, a, a below-average wide receiver one, but a pretty good like wide receiver two in this Bucks offense or just in an offense in general. But, you know, you're talking about a lot of things that have to fall into place. So that's why, bringing it back to Evans, whether he re-signs or not, like I, I just have round two zeroed into my head of like, Bucks should take a wide receiver here if they're planning mm -hmm. on taking a wide receiver at all. Because we've seen them, you know, Palmer was a later round pick. A couple of years ago, Jalen Darden, that was like a fifth, yeah. sixth round type of pick. I'm kind of done with that. I think either go big with the wide receiver in an home. early round or go home. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's the thing with Evans as well. We'll get to Baker Mayfield in a, in a minute because we got this uh, super chat from Paul, aka, yeah. AKA Florida Dreamhouse. If, uh, if Mike Evans does not resign, I think that changes so much of the draft approach for the Bucs going into this year's draft because I think wide receiver could be – 
round one. I know we love the yeah, centers and all agreed. that stuff, but I think wide receiver might have to be round one yeah. if Mike Evans doesn't return. And, and you of know course what, the Matt? Yeah. It might be a thing where they double down on wide receivers. This is a, a rich, uh, deep draft yeah. for wide receivers. And if you, if if the Bucks don't re-sign Mike Evans and you have Chris Godwin, who is 27 years old, going to be mm-hmm. 28, on the last year of his deal, and he's not that point producer, he's not the touchdown guy that Mike is, drafting a receiver in round one, I totally agree. That becomes a, a very real option. But then – all that does is that replaces Mike Evans. And, you're, yeah. and then you're, right. you're you're hoping that Trey Palmer can be better than he was last year at year three. What happens if Chris Godwin gets hurt? All right. Now all of a sudden Palmer's number two, who's number three, right? You've got to continue to stockpile that, that uh, receiver room with talent. And, uh, you know, Devin Tompkins he is what he is. He's a gadget player. I just think that, that this, this could be the year. If Evans doesn't return, we think he's going to, but if he doesn't, yes. I agree. First round wide receiver, not out of the question. And then maybe going back into day three and getting another receiver just to hedge your bets a little bit, stockpile the position, add some competition for Palmer and for Tompkins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and take it from there. No, I, I'm with you. I think even with Mike re signing, the Bucks wide receiver room is very top heavy and at least they have weapons elsewhere, you know, with Rashad White as a, as a running back, but as a receiver yeah. as well. It's not like it was a couple of years ago, like where it's if if something happens to Mike and Chris, the Bucks are done and they won't be able to move the ball. Most infamously, that game against the Packers, against Aaron Rodgers, when Mike was suspended and Chris yeah. Goblin was hurt and the Bucks couldn't move the ball at all. Right. I and, do, and Ru- Russell Gage averaged about eight yards a catch. Yeah. <laughs> and Russell Gage. I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but Russell Gage isn't in the picture for the He's Bucks get cut, yeah. for next season. So, yeah. um. I do trust, I mean, I trust Dave Canales with it, but I am putting my faith into Liam Cohen now that he will be able to get the best out of some of these other wide receivers for the traits that they bring to this team. But again, the Bucs are better with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin together as a duo. Yeah, there's that man, uh, Liam Cohen, that's going to be in charge of that. And Liam Cohen's only been with the Bucs for a little bit now. So since he's been the offensive coordinator, I think Liam Cohen has only been able to see or witness about three or four uh, roll calls on the Peter Report podcast on Monday. And it is right about that time. It is roll call. We do it at 420. Sometimes we're occasionally late on a Monday show, but that's quite all right because it just means we're deep into conversation about your favorite team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But if you're new to the show, we love doing roll call every single Monday. What we do is – one of us goes on a diatribe about the Buccaneers or something going on with the NFL. I'll be taking the reins on that today. And while I'm talking about your favorite team, the Buccaneers, Scott is going to be going through the chats in the comment and uh, putting up on the screen where you guys are watching the show from. So whether you're watching from Tampa, Florida, Dayton, Ohio, I don't know why that popped into my head, but it did. Throw it on the screen and just like Kieran started off with now, we'll start uh, doing a roll call. So, as you saw, the topic today was uh, how much is Baker Mayfield worth? What should the Bucs pay him? What other teams might go and and pay to Baker Mayfield? So I did want to talk about Baker. This is a little bit of a different discussion. So there was a recent article that came out on the 33rd team on that website. It's by uh, Derek Klassen, and he uh, says he's a film analyst. And I'm not coming after Derek Klassen at all, um, just kind of commenting and observing on his article where he ranked the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. And I just want to put in again that he's a film analyst. So he's looking at it from the fit. The right here is not exactly sure if it's, if it's just film, is it what they're supposed to be next season or basing off what he saw from this year? There's not a ton of detail um, in terms of that anyway. Um, so he doesn't rank it for all 32 teams. Patrick Mahomes is one. That makes sense. Just won the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, two. Won the MVP. On and on and on. Um, so, of course, Bucks fans want to know, where is Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield is ranked 20th out Ooh. of 32 teams in the wow. NFL. Uh, 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. That is one ahead of Tua, which I found a bit surprising as well. Two ahead of Brock Purdy at 18. Jalen Hurts was at 17. Now, Baker Mayfield is the best-ranked 
NFC South quarterback in all of this. Baker was at 20. Two spots later at 22 is Derek Carr. Um, coming in at 25 is Bryce Young. And last in the NFC South, but not certainly least, is Desmond Ritter of the Falcons. And Bailey Zappi was 32 with the Patriots. Now, um, I've never met Derek before who wrote this article. Uh, I'm not here to rip him the shreds or anything like that. But I just want to say that I respectively disagree with at least the Bucks portion of this list. Baker Mayfield at 20. If you want to make a case, I would listen to it. But what I can't let slide by here is that Anthony Richardson of the Indianapolis Colts, who was a rookie, who played, what, five games for the Colts last season, yeah. is at 16. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, everyone knows I'm a Rodgers guy, is at 15. Aaron Rodgers played four snaps for the New York Jets last season before he got injured and was done for the year. Kirk Cousins at 13. Obviously played most of the season before he had an Achilles injury. Geno Smith at 12. And then Kyler Murray at 11. I just can't sit here and look at Baker Mayfield at 20. And Kyler Murray, who came back in November and December, and say that those, all those guys that I just named, except for maybe Geno Smith and Kirk Cousins, those guys are ranked better than Baker Mayfield. I mean, I get it. If you want to look at the film and say, like, potential, the potential of Aaron Rodgers next season is probably better than Baker Mayfield. But you got to factor in last season at least a little bit. Rodgers didn't play at all. Anthony Richardson, whether you look at him as someone that played last year or his potential next season, it's almost lunacy. To say that Anthony Richards should be hang- Anthony Richardson should be ranked higher than Baker Mayfield. Are we forgetting right. the year that Baker Mayfield had? He threw for over four thousand yards in a contract year where he needed to have a great season. He threw for twenty eight touchdowns to just ten interceptions. He got absolutely robbed, robbed. I dare say of the comeback player of the year award, which if you're going to give it to DeMar Hamlin, fine, I get it. But to give it to Joe Flacco after five good games, isn't the NFL all about peaks and valleys and ups and downs? Well, Flacco came in at the right time because he started five damn games. And yes, he played pretty well in them. Well, look what happened when he played the Houston Texans. Look what happened when Baker Mayfield played against the Houston Texans. I mean, I get it. You're in the moment, but I think a lot of people were prisoners of the moment at the time because if you took Baker Mayfield's five best games last season and went up against the five that Joe Flacco had, I think a lot of people would still be taking Baker Mayfield. So uh, Baker Mayfield, even after a great season, even after a fair amount of accolades, still getting disrespected in certain places, like getting ranked 20th among the quarterbacks when half of them Barely even played double-digit games last season. So yeah. I want to give Baker Mayfield a, uh, a shout-out for that because I, I respect the content. I, I respect the article. I just have uh, some gripes about the placement of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's well said. Um, and it's tough, right, because the Buccaneers have exactly one year's worth of data to make a, a decision on a multi-year yeah. deal. And you, you can't take away what Baker Mayfield did, but – as we had one of our commenters here, Malcolm Hawthorne, to put it back on there. I think it's likely 2023 was the best year Baker Mayfield will ever have. That could be. Yeah. That's the thing. There's no crystal ball, right? Just like when the Buccaneers um, were almost forced into re-signing Doug Martin because they had just fired Lovey mm-hmm. Smith. Dirk Cutter was being promoted from offensive coordinator head coach. And what happened that year that Lovey Smith uh, or I should say the year before Levy Smith got fired, his last year in Tampa. Doug Martin had 1,400 yards rushing, was a huge part of the offense, and went to the Pro Bowl for the second time. So what was Jason Light going to do? Not re-sign Doug Martin? Yeah. And promote promote Dirk Cutter and say, hey, <laughs> welcome uh, to the head coaching job. We're taking one of your big weapons to help get you this job, and we're letting him go in free agency, right? So yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't work out. Uh, Doug Martin never sniffed a thousand yards again. And it ulti- ultimately was not a good re-signing. It was a bad move. Yeah. But you don't know that when you're, you're making that deal, you're crossing your fingers and you're hoping right. that you're going to be getting more years like what, what you're, what you're just uh, getting paid on. And so that's, that's what the Buccaneers have to go with. If you look at Baker Mayfield's career, you've got that 2020 season, you know, he's had a couple of seasons that are good. He's had a couple of seasons that are not. 
He's had mm. kind of a mercurial career. Yeah. That's why he's on his fourth team in six years. So it's it's um it's one of those things too, Matt, where if you don't re-sign Baker Mayfield, who's the quarterback? It's right? trash time. Yeah, it's trash time. By default, exactly. by default, it's by trash default. time. Yeah. <laughs> or you're drafting a rookie quarterback and you're having to trade a bunch of draft capital to get up to actually get a good one, probably. Um, there's no guarantee that that any of those guys will be there. This could be one of those years where you've got the top three picks and it is Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. And then you've got guys like Penix and Knicks and McCarthy that just by virtue of them being quarterbacks, it's an overdrafted, overvalued, overpaid position. You could see all all six of those guys go in the top 25 and guess where the Bucks pick 26. So it, it there's no guarantees and that's why yeah. it's kind of like uh it's better to you know what's the saying to do business with the devil you know than yeah, the devil yeah, you don't exactly we're not saying baker mayfield's a devil but right. but uh, he's got a devilish smile he he's got a devil maker <laughs> attitude playing quarterback and um texas fans w- thinks he's the devil just exactly. based off uh, college rivalries <laughs> exactly with the horns down for yeah. uh for uh, texas uh, hopefully that's the case tonight. My Kansas State Wildcats. Yes, big on by game. A thread. Big game um, for them. Probably destined for the NIT this year, but the big game tonight, I digress. So let's get into some Baker Mayfield. Let's talk about the man of the hour here. But before we do that, um, a couple things. First of all, uh, let's set the table for a couple of shows we have coming up this yes. week. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock, should Antoine Winfield get franchised? The franchise tag designation period opens tomorrow. The Buccaneers may or may not use the franchise tag on Winfield. They may or may not use the franchise tag on him tomorrow. They may wait a little bit, but Matt and I will talk about that tomorrow. So that is Tuesday's show right here live at 4 o'clock on Peter Report TV, the YouTube home of the Peter Report podcast. And then on Wednesday, our show will be which Bucks will be cap casualties. We've talked about some, Shaq Barrett being one of those, but there might be some others. So Mm -hmm. stay tuned for Wednesday's show at four o'clock. Actually, there will be probably at least three big names will be on this list. Shaq Barrett probably be one of those. So that's Wednesday's show live at four o'clock. But let's talk about um, the official energy drink, Matt, of Peter Report, and that is Celsius. That's right, Scott. I was going to say before, uh, you know, there's no easy picks for the Bucs this year, whether it's the draft, whether it's whether or not to re-sign Baker Mayfield. But luckily, everybody watching the show and anyone that's a football fan, they know they have an easy pick when it comes to uh, what energy drink to choose. Now, the tough pick after that is, you know you're going with Celsius, but what about the flavors? Because there's so many awesome flavors of Celsius, and you have to check out their newest line of products, the Celsius Essentials, which have 270 milligrams of caffeine to help you live fit. They... Uh, provides you an unbeatable combination of ingredients that support your physical and cognitive performance. Uh, you can check out the new Celsius Essentials and get their Blue Crush or their Dragonberry at 7-Elevens nationwide. You can get the three-flavor variety pack over at Walmart. They're coming out to Amazon soon. So whether it's the Celsius Essentials, maybe it's uh, one of the old-school flavors like a sparkling watermelon, uh, cute cumber lime something like that Um, make sure you go to the celsius store locator where you can punch in your address it'll tell you the closest location where you can pick one up doesn't matter where you are in the united states uh you can go get one at your local health and fitness store 7-eleven or your bodega bodega how's it going it's good to hear that um and once you keep going to your bodega and you know that you love celsius but you want to get more because you don't want to keep making several trips to the bodega you just want to be one and done you can get it in bulk. Celsius, of course, I'm talking about. Have it sent to your place of residence whenever you want after you go to Amazon and do the subscribe and save. Get it sent to your residence. You're in charge. You're the captain. Up to you. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast. Yep. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield and yeah. what he's possibly worth here because uh, we've we've seen some some different numbers out there in terms of, of – uh, you know, how much he's going to get paid. And um, one thing that's interesting about free agency is it's, you know, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yes, it and is. the Buccaneers over the last couple of years have allowed 
some of their top free agents to test the market to find out what their number is before the Buccaneers resign them. And of course, that has fans on pins and needles, right? We're talking about Carlton Davis two years ago. Last year is Jamel mm-hmm. Dean and Levante David. And for all three of those players, they hit the market and found it to be not as robust as they were expecting. Correct. And as a result, the Buccaneers uh, said, okay, well, you didn't get what you thought you were going to get, but we're going to pay you a little bit less than that if you come back. And that's exactly what happened. And so Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Levante David, all re-signed for less than they were hoping for. And that ended up saving the Buccaneers some money in the short term, in the long run with these with these deals. So that might be what happens with Mike Evans, with uh, Baker Mayfield, et cetera. We think that Antoine Winfield Jr. will probably get franchised because that cap number is $17 million, where if you sign him to a contract extension, he's going to reset the market at $20 million. So you can save $3 million right now by just yep. franchising yeah. Winfield. Seeing what happens, you kind of safeguard yourself. If there's a catastrophic injury, you're not tied to Winfield for the long term. You can always revisit that uh, and sign him to an extension, um, either before the franchise tag expires, uh, which is later in the summer. I think it's mm-hmm. July. Um, so you have a window to get a deal done, even if if you franchise him. Or if he plays right. on that, like we saw Shaq Barrett do, mm-hmm. then you just you have another opportunity to sign him to a long-term extension. And we'll see if he plays as good this year as he did last year. But yeah, there are some fans out there that are – like gripping right now because the Buccaneers are going to take on about $14.5 million worth of dead cap money because they didn't re-sign Evans and didn't re-sign Mayfield. Yeah. And don't worry about that. There's a couple of of factors here that I I think are are going to ease your mind a little bit. First of all, Mike Greenberg rolled over over $3 million in unused cap money from 2023 into this year. So the Buccaneers basically have three more million dollars worth of cap room already than they would have had otherwise because they use the unused uh, cap money, put it in this year. Number two, the Buccaneers can always go to players that have huge base salaries. We're talking $18.5 million for Chris Godwin. I think it's $15.5 million for Vita Vea. Jamel Dean's got $12 million. You can take that base salary, turn it into a roster bonus, create a bunch of cap room that way to absorb that. Third thing is, the the salary cap is exposed is supposed to to go up to about two hundred and forty five to two hundred and fifty million dollars. So right. there's going to be a, an increase. That's big. So the, the other thing too is is this is dead money that has to be accounted for, and even if the Buccaneers re-signed Mike Evans yesterday or Baker Mayfield yesterday, and it didn't result in dead dead cap money this year from those previous contracts, right? In other words, they could absorb that dead cap money and kick the can down the road. The Buccaneers are at a point where they don't want to kick the can down the road. They want to... They've take, done that. They've done that, right, exactly. They, they took their lumps last year to the tune of almost $80 million in cap money, a dead cap money. They're not going to have nearly as much dead cap money this year, but there's going to be at least, what, $11.8 million for Ryan Jensen, Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be, we've, we've already seen they've taken 14 and a half million uh, with these two players. Levante David's going to have dead cap money, Greg Gaines, um, Anton Winfield. And, and this is, this is dead cap money from voidable years that allowed the Buccaneers to squeeze these players under their, their, their expiring contracts and have a minimal cap hit in, in, in the first year of that contract, which for a player like Greg Gaines, who resigned for one year, or Levante David, that was uh, to have a lower 2023 cap hit mm-hmm. and have part of that cap hit hit this year. So I think Mike Greenberg, Jason Leiter saying, this is kind of part two of we're going to take our salary cap lumps this year. It's not going to be nearly as much because they have right. room to sign all these free agents, their own, and add a couple more value free agents, like I talked about in SR SPAP 5 on Friday. But what this is going to do is by taking some of these, these lumps now and absorbing some of this dead cap money, if there is a new deal for Mike Evans, if there is a new deal for Baker Mayfield, you don't have to take that extra money that would have been dead cap room this year and kick it down the road and add it to future salary cap years. 
uh, where it's going to show up and, and negatively impact you sooner or later. They wouldn't would rather do it sooner than later. So is, it has nothing to do with the fact the Buccaneers, um, they don't want to not re-sign these players. They do. They right. want to re-sign them. But they want to do the right deal, not a hasty deal, just because of this. Mike Greenberg isn't phased one bit. They can create $14.5 million worth of cap space today yep. to you know, sign players, re-sign players, whatever. So remember, they had $80 million in dead cap money last year. $14.5 million, not nearly as much. So don't worry about that. This is not an indication that they're not going to re-sign Mike or um, or Baker. And speaking of Baker, Matt, let's take a look at what it might cost to re-sign Baker Mayfield. Let's start with uh, Pro Football Focus, where they have a projection of three years, $30 million. That's $50 million in guaranteed money. That's $90 million total. Now, the interesting thing about this particular number here is, is it's, it's $5 million more than Geno Smith made in his re-signing with the Seattle Seahawks. And I think this is the floor, though, for Baker Mayfield, Matt. I think this, this might be the low watermark because there are a lot of teams that might be interested in Baker Mayfield. There's really only Kirk yeah. Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, and, and Baker Mayfield in terms of veteran quarterbacks. So what are some of the teams out there that could get involved in the bidding to possibly raise the ante for Baker Mayfield, Matt? Yeah, I think they're, and I'm, I want to use my words cautiously because uh, this is definitely a bit of content that can go up on PeterReport.com in the near future by the time free agency gets around here. Um, but with that said, I feel like as every single day goes by, there's another team that you can kind of convince yourself um, could be in the woodwork to be in the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes. Now, some of the obvious ones that we've talked about before right in the Bucks' backyard in the NFC South, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, that seems like a fit just in terms of the Falcons look pretty much ready to go as a competitor, except for the fact that they don't have a quarterback. So you bring in Baker Mayfield, you put him with all the weapons that they have in Atlanta. I think that's pretty big. Obviously, the, the Minnesota thing makes sense where – I mean, Baker Mayfield just worked with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You don't think he could work with Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, you know, right. what they did? I mean, I know Jefferson was injured last year, but a healthy Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the league. It makes sense for the Vikings to get a younger quarterback that at least proved himself younger than Kirk Cousins and not coming off of a serious injury like Kirk Cousins is. Um, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN had a really great point about – a team such as the New England Patriots that could kind of swoop in and take yeah. Baker Mayfield. And I know everyone's thinking, why the heck would the Patriots do that? Well, you got to look at it in a couple different ways. I know a lot of people have them penciled in to get Jaden Daniels, the, the third quarterback off the board, because the Patriots would have the third pick. But the Patriots offense is a mess, and not just a quarterback is going to fix it. Like, they need right. – what's the big knock on Bill Belichick, who I know isn't there anymore – was, he never drafted wide receivers. Never dra His last Pro Bowl offensive player was Matthew Slater, who's technically a wide receiver, but he would go right. for special teams. So, yeah. Uh, and Matt Jones yeah, I mean, was the other Pro Bowl offensive player. Nikhil uh, Harry was was a wide receiver they drafted, I think, in the first round out of Arizona yeah. State. Terrible draft pick, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Horrible. So, so, yeah, you're right. He didn't have any weapons, and that's a big reason why Tom Brady wanted out, because when Gronk retired, he had Julian Edelman, old man Edelman, to throw to, yeah. and that was it. Yeah, so uh, in this article, Fowler has Marvin Harrison Jr. going to um, going to the Patriots, and then that sets themselves up to go get a quarterback such as Baker Mayfield. And again, yeah. if it was Belichick as GM, you go, eh, he would never pay for a quarterback like that. He doesn't like paying money. Right. But it's a new regime in the front office of the Patriots, and there's actually a number of guys that were there in Cleveland when they drafted That's Baker right. Mayfield. With the first overall pick a couple of seasons ago. So you put that into the mix. I think that's big. I wouldn't rule out the Pittsburgh Steelers either. Mm -hmm. I mean, all they have is Kenny Pickett under contract. He's on a rookie deal. So that's not financially strapping them to commit long term to a guy such as Kenny Pickett. Sure. Baker in Pittsburgh, gritty guy, kind mm -hmm. of embodies that type of city. I that agree. kind of makes sense too. So, um, well, and Matt, to stop you there in Pittsburgh, yeah. you bring up a great point with the Steelers. Mike Tomlin kind of on the hot seat a little bit, right? And he knows 
that that a quarterback will will you know a, a steady quarterback, a good quarterback, will yeah. will kind of calm the waters there a little bit, right? So Pittsburgh, New England, some periphery teams, another AFC team I think that's possible is is the Denver Broncos, right? Yes, they Denver, absolutely. Russell Wilson, Sean Payton uh, had a lot of success with the six foot quarterback and Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. So I think those are three AFC teams that could be in the mix. If Kirk Cousins, let's say he goes to Atlanta, yes. then the Minnesota Vikings need a quarterback, right? So the Vikings, uh, they saw what Baker Mayfield could do firsthand in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, there's there's another team throwing the Falcons in the mix. Obviously, it's either like Kirk Washington Cousins. too. Like Washington, I don't think I could. Well, they got a pretty high pick, so they would probably go quarterback. Well, yeah, but again, Matt, to your point, what if you use that pick on a Marvin Harrison Jr. instead and get a proven quarterback? Because let's face it, most of the time when you draft a rookie quarterback, they're coach killers. You're you're essentially drafting a quarterback for the next head coach, right? That's usually how it happens. So if, if that's the case, Washington, by the way, has, I think, $70 million worth of cap space, the largest cap space of any team. Yeah. So if you're looking for a team that's going to overpay for a quarterback, might be the Washington Commodes. So Washington, Denver, uh, Atlanta, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, New England. I mean, if there are six suitors, not including Tampa Bay, it could get ridiculous for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. So um, that is the lay of the land in terms of the teams that could be interested and they could drive up the price. Let's get to a couple super chats here yeah, and then we, we'll we, talk about some other value spots about, about what, uh, you know, some, some contract projections for Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. A couple of uh, great super chats, Richie P I got my eye on you as well. We'll get to that though. Uh, thanks to Paul, AKA Florida Dreamhouse for the $5 super chat. He says Baker Mayfield deserves a better deal than Geno Smith. The Daniel Jones contract was stupid. So why do the Bucs need to be stupid? $35 million per year on a five-year deal, two guaranteed, is fair. Paul, I totally get what you're saying, but you got to look at it from Baker Mayfield's agent sort of uh, perspective. Yes, what the Giants did was stupid, but if you're Baker Mayfield's agent, you go, all right, well, Gino got this, but I'm seeing Daniel Jones got that. Excuse my yeah. pit stain. Let's... Like, we want that Daniel Jones money. And Baker's agent is going to go, it's not our fault that the Giants put out all that money for Daniel Jones. And the other thing to look at is every year, most of the players, I'm not going to say every single player, but most of the players, they want, and you see it especially with quarterback and wide receiver, even if it's $1 more, they want to be the highest paid player at their position. Oh, this guy just set the new record as the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. Now, with Baker, he's not going to get paid the highest-paid quarterback in the league. But there is this new market of quarterbacks who revived their career and had a career season. Now there's a market with that, with Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield's right. the newest addition to that market. Baker's going to want to at least be the leader in that type of market. As crazy as that sounds as to what I'm saying, there is compa- there will be a comp- comparison now until the next quarter, like James Winston may, may be the next quarterback that where you go, oh, well, Geno Smith did it. Baker Mayfield did it. If James Winston can do it too, then he can get a quote unquote Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield type of contract. Yeah. Road. Obviously, I'm talking about hypothetical here, but Baker's still want to get going to want to get paid more than Geno Smith. And why not shoot for the moon with that Daniel Jones money? Yeah. I mean, it, it's certainly a, a fair point. Let's, let's speaking of Daniel Jones, let's go to. Uh, spot track. Um, yeah. you know, I prefer over the cap, uh, dot com in terms of, of that. And I'm not knocking spot track necessarily, but, but, um, spot track does a pretty good job with their, their market analysis. So yes. the deal that they have, and, and I like how they lay it out here. It, they really kind of spell it out and for you listening at home on the audio version of the podcast. We have a graphic up here that says $27.1 million average annual salary. That's $3 million less than Pro Football Focus projects Correct. Uh, Brad Spielberg. And, and I, I think that's a more likely number than this 27.1. But here's the logic of how they got to this. Um, they ranked Baker Mayfield uh, as, I guess, 18th um, in, in terms of, of where he would rank with these contracts. Daniel Jones, they have that there. And so what you do is you, you take 
um, not just Daniel Jones with his $40 million, but you average the top four uh, players, right? So you get Daniel Jones at 40 million, Derek Carr at 37.5. You have Geno Smith's deal in there at 25 million. And then Jimmy Garoppolo just below 25 million. And the average of that is 32 point, call it $7 million, right? So um, that is, that's the average. And then yeah. what they do is, is they, they look at that and they adjust the, the contract to Baker Mayfield's age, which is 28, right? If you look at, at Daniel Jones, when he signed that deal, he was 25, right? And so Derek Carr signed his at 31. So you take in the, the average age of when the, you know, those deals were signed and, and you, you kind of depreciate that. They call it linear regression. Uh, in other words, you're not paying a 25-year-old, right, uh, on yeah. a four-year deal where he's going to be 29 years old when this deal expires. Baker Mayfield is already 29 years old, right? So, so that's, that's the methodology there and how they get to that. Here's the second part of that graphic. Then what they do is they look at, at the um, kind of the depreciation of, of the statistics. They look at the statistics and then they've got some median prime percent changes where they kind of like downgrade you a little bit um, based upon the age and and then they that's how they calculate Baker Mayfield's value. So they, they they look at what the average of the top four is. They kind of depreciate that contract a little bit given Baker's age, and that's how they came up with the twenty seven million dollars. So right or wrong, we'll see. I think it's going to be at least thirty million dollars, and with as many potential suitors as there could be that yeah. market could go sky high and, mm. and we'll see, we'll see if, if, um, if loyalty matters to Baker Mayfield, if wanting to play with Mike and Chris in a comfortable situation mm. matters, or if, Hey, this is probably my last big contract and I'm going to set myself up. I had to take $4 million this year with incentives. I got up to seven, but it was about $13 million below the average starting quarterback salary of about 20 million. So mm -hmm. I lost money this past year. I got to make up for that. And I, I lost uh, reportedly $12 million in an investment scheme. So if you're Baker Mayfield, you might be thinking I'm essentially about um, call it 12 million and 30. I'm about $25 million behind mm -hmm. in my earnings and where I should be. So do I want to take 30, 31, 29 million to play in Tampa? Or man, I got this team offering me Daniel Jones money at $40 million a year, which is nine or 10 million more than the Bucks are offering. Do I want to take yeah. that? Well, two Bakers, two Bakers credit. He was slinging that auto parts company. Uh, he was. or whatever he was <laughs> during the Super Bowl. So uh hopefully he's getting some more ads there. And uh yeah, the last thing I'll say is. Uh, it's really tough in my gut to agree to pay Baker Mayfield $40 million a season yeah, uh, as good as he was last that. year. And yeah. I, anything over three years, I'm like, I, agree, I don't man. love that, but I agree. again, what are you going to do if there's six other teams going yeah. for him? Yeah, uh, no, anyway, thanks. I, I, to I, I, hold on. I, I think you made a great point. Yeah. The $3 million given his age and given his up and down kind of mercurial career, I think three yeah. years, with maybe the first year for sure, but first maybe maybe the first year and a half guaranteed. Yeah. Right. Give yourself an out if you're the Buccaneers of of maybe you make the mistake that you made with Doug Martin back in the day where right. you're paying for that big year that he you had. Hit that button just in case. And you can hit the eject button. Exactly. Well yeah. said, Matt. Yeah. Because you look at those other contracts, they're all four year deals, five year deals. And it's like, ah, uh, Derek Carr, no, don't want that. Terry right. Jones, no, don't want that. Yeah. There hasn't, except for the Geno one, there hasn't really, like the list that you just had, there wasn't too many where I was like, oh, yeah, like that worked out, that worked out. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to talk Great about point. this more as the, as the weeks go on. Dominic Tarantino, thank you for the $10 Super Chat, says, if Mike Evans leaves the Bucks, do you guys think it is even worth re-signing Baker? Really good question. It seems Very like without Mike, the Bucks are just setting up Baker to fail and end up having buyer's remorse? I think this is a great question. I think I would still sign Baker Mayfield because if you don't re-sign Baker and you lose Mike, you're just waving the white flag and saying, Agreed. we're done. 
And again, it's kind of like last year. Todd Bowles is not just going to be like, yeah, you know what? Why don't we just rebuild for a season and then we'll be good to go? Because he won't be there. Liam yeah. Cohen, I mean, again, within one minute of his introductory press conference, he was like, yeah, I'm here because of Baker Mayfield. Right. And uh, so I don't think Liam Cohen wants that either. I do still think there is value if if Mike doesn't resign, and that would be devastating. But if Mike yeah. doesn't resign, I think you still go after Baker. And it kind of gives you a little bit more leeway to throw a couple more dollars at Baker Mayfield yeah. to bring him back because that money's not going to Mike. That's right. That's a great point. You, you have all of a sudden you got about $25 million. You were yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> earmarking for Mike that is now available. Maybe you get a big time pass rusher, right? Maybe you can go out there and say, all right, That's we're in the right. Brian Burns market then, or the Bryce Huff market. Bryce Huff. And, and then, and then you, you cross that. You make list your off team your... better. You, right. you, you make your overall team better. But yeah. Maybe not necessarily your offense. Thanks to yeah. Chooch for this four ninety nine super chat. Says any possibility of two interior offensive linemen in rounds one and two drafting a combo of JPJ Barton B Frazier could save money that could be allocated for an edge like Bryce Huff. Yeah, no, there's there's some logic in that. Remember, in 2015, Jason Light traded uh, back up into the second round to get after Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet. Yep. So he used two picks on interior, or I should say on offensive on linemen. linemen. Yeah. yeah, in that draft. And and um, Jason Light loves offensive linemen, and he's drafted plenty, and a lot of them have worked out. So uh, I wouldn't put it past if, if, if Jackson Powers Johnson is there and he's the best player on the board, he, you take him in the first round because he certainly can be a starter at center or guard. He's played both. And then you just have that that need yeah. like crossed off the board. And then in the in the second round, um, you know, if one of those top notch guards is there, then you can draft him too. And all of a sudden, you've got um, you've got Tristan Wirfs, a first rounder at left tackle. You've got a second round uh, guard. You've got a first round center. You've got a second round guard in Cody Malk and a second round. A pick at right tackle and Luke Gedeke. And you have a ton of yeah. premium draft picks on that offensive line. So you should have enough talent if they all develop into having a really formidable unit from uh, from here on. So that would not be a bad investment, Matt, especially if you're, if you're you know putting a bunch of money into the quarterback position. Yeah. Baker Mayfield, $30 million or more. Protect that investment. And Jason Light's done this not just with the offensive line, but a couple of years ago he drafted, uh, what was it, Carlton Davis and MJ Stewart in the same round at corner. So yeah. he'll do that. Even this last draft, and granted they were rounds apart, but he went, yeah, yeah, Diaby. And then Jose Ramirez uh, yeah. later on. So Jason is very familiar with drafting the same yeah. position uh, multiple times, various times in a draft. Thank yeah. you to Richie P for this $20 super chat who – as soon as I saw it, I started smirking. I thought it was very funny. Um, Richie, with this $20 Super Chat, says, I'm going you, to Richie. light a candle. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm going to light a candle and a half-eaten empanada at the Mike Greenberg. He says Greenwell, yeah. but I believe he means Mike yeah. Greenberg altar yeah. I have in the living room so he can get all this off-season stuff done. I'll tell you what, man. This, this is a guy who was charged with the responsibility of re-signing pretty much all of the Super Bowl starters right yeah. after the Super Bowl. And then last year, um, working on a tight, slim budget, having to eat all that dead cap money and, you know, look for value signings and cross your fingers that you get a Jamel Dean back at a lower price than maybe you thought. Same with Levante mm -hmm. David. Go out and get a Baker Mayfield for $4 million and then put some incentives in that contract. So, yeah, Mike Greenberg has done a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> Seems like there's never been one easy offseason. Oh, and by the way, this year, well, you've got, you know, just your star players. Yeah, for free agency. Your most Winfield. beloved player in the last yeah. 20 years. <laughs> Winfield, Evans, Mayfield, Chase McLaughlin, right? You got to yeah. get him back. He's a, another great kicker for this team. Levante David. So I'm sure Mike Greenberg is waiting for that one offseason where he can kind of relax and take yeah. a deep breath. But not this year, Mike. Sorry about that. Yeah, not going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, thanks to Cali Bucks for this 499 Super Chat. Says, all things considered, his value will be driven up by the bidders. Mayfield at 35 to 40 million. That is crazy. Balls batted down, struggles to see down the field. And yeah, see, like that's the problem with just free agency negotiation overall. Because you yeah. look at Baker's season, my initial thoughts are like, great season by Baker. You look at the yards, how he led the team, how he ingratiated himself yeah. with the team. 
But uh, and Shaq Barrett kind of talked about this in his in his going away press conference, where it's like, "Hey, I like you, but I don't like you for this much." So then, right. it's it's just human nature. You start kind of like nitpicking at the things that Baker did poorly, and right. it's true he does get a lot of balls batted down. He can't see over the line of scrimmage yeah. the way a six-five type of quarterback would. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why I love Baker. I just don't love Baker at forty million dollars per right. season for no. what he gave the Bucks last season. Which was Here's, really good, but not forty million worth. Here's the interesting caveat: the Buccaneers may not use the franchise tag on Antoine Winfield Jr. tomorrow. They may wait to decide who they're going to use it on. Could it be Baker Mayfield with the franchise tag? Well, we talked about maybe that not committing more than a short con- short-term contract yeah. or only one year's worth of guaranteed money. Well, that's what a franchise tag is. The problem is. The franchise tag for quarterbacks is going to be a little over $36 million this year. So that's about $6 million more than the Buccaneers would want to pay. But you're not. Honestly, Scott, for one season, I'm on board with it because you you say, all right, Baker, you got to prove it again. And then you're going to get the big contract no matter what, because even if if the Bucs don't re-sign him after that season, he's going to get that money. 36 million right. I can deal with for one season. And yeah. if he plays poorly, you don't re-sign him, and then you can decide what you want to do with quarterback. Yeah. The other side of it, though, is if he plays really well and you want him back, you're going to have to pay more next season than you That's would right. right now if you were trying to re-sign him. So it definitely yeah. is a gamble, but I don't think yeah. it's a bad gamble to have. Especially if Mike Greenberg, Jason Light, they go to the yes. combine next week and they hear things in the halls, you know, like the whispers. That, that there are going to be a bunch of teams in, and this is kind of what the, the market's going to be. If, you're, if we're talking close to $40 million yeah. per season, $38 million, then guess what? $36 million is a bargain. Then you franchise them, and you say, Baker, do it one more time. And, uh, and, and remember, new offense with Liam Cohen. And then you know you, the great news is, is you definitely have Baker Mayfield here for one more year. That probably impacts yes. Mike Evans wanting to come back and, and, uh, you know, all, all these decisions we're talking about are financial ones, Matt. And, you know, if you have uh, any uh, question about what you're going to do with your finances and your money, especially when it comes to retirement, lean on Amuni Financial. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. All right, folks. Coming up this week on February 22nd at noon Eastern time. There is an absolutely free cybersecurity webinar. All you have to do is sign up for it to attend. It features the speaker, Josh Mulan, who has over 20 years of experience in cybersecurity. Why should you attend this event to understand the scope of cyber threats for your business or even for yourself? Because there's a lot of online scams, especially targeting seniors. You can identify common scams and also take practical protection steps. There's also going to be a Q&A about cybersecurity uh, after the, sep- the the webinar. So here's what you need to do. You need to go to immuni.com. That's immuni.com backslash cyber. Or give them a call at 1-800-868-6864. That's 1-800-868-6864. Again, an absolutely free Immuni Financial Cybersecurity Webinar on February 22nd at noon Eastern time. It's free. You don't have to be an Immunity Financial customer to sign up for it. And uh, it sounds like a great event. And Immunity Financial wants to help everybody when it comes to uh, understanding the perils of cybersecurity and how to protect yourself. Folks, tomorrow we talked about the franchise tag. We've got a whole show dedicated to the franchise tag. Will Antoine Winfield get it? Or should Baker Mayfield or Mike Evans get it? We'll talk about that tomorrow at 4 o'clock. And uh, we also have got tons of content coming out on PeterReport.com, Matt. Yes, we do. So please follow us on all of our social media on X, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Pewter Report. Our YouTube channel is Pewter Report TV. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
trying to build those subscribers up. Leave a comment after the episode is done as well. So uh, appreciate all of you guys for watching. By the way, uh, got the super chat from Meets McGee. Thanks yeah. for the two dollars super chat. My new favorite wide receiver is Xavier Leggett. Thoughts? We spoke about him a little bit uh, early in the show. I like his size, like his athleticism. Yeah. And Brian McClendon, the new wide receivers coach, is quite familiar with him yeah. as well. He coached him. He coached him, yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us on today's show. Great episode to start the week and try to do even better tomorrow. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow at 4 p.m. for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.